Great songs this morning, great singing this morning. We sing an old hymn, and he hideth my soul, and we sing a new hymn in the power of the cross, and they both are so powerful and so needed, and a blessing. Take our Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter number 10, Hebrews chapter number 10, and we are glad that you're here this morning, and man, last service, they were a rough crowd to preach to. I don't know what it was. Well, actually, I do know what it was. The first 10 minutes of my sermon sucked the life out of the room. So let me just tell you and put it to you straight this morning, okay? Don't let the first 10 minutes of the sermon suck all your life out of the room this morning, okay? You'll be okay. You'll hang on. Everything's going to be okay, all right? But last service, it got so quiet and it was I don't know why it got so quiet. I don't have a clue. You'll know in a few minutes, but I don't know why it got so quiet in the room. 2020 is just about over, a few days away from it. One of the things that I like to do, we have the two weeks, you know, with the Christian school and things, Caroline teaches. So the, the week before Christmas, the week after Christmas, we normally have more free time than what we normally do. On a normal day, Caroline teaches, and our three-year-old, soon to be four, Mr. Matthew, I'm with him during the day. And so he either watches me or I watch him. I haven't quite figured out what happens there, but we keep a good eye on each other. But I'll tell you this, when you're with a three-year-old most of the day, it's hard to do a lot of thinking. You can't think during the day when a three-year-old's demanding your attention and throwing things at you or making you chase them around the house, whatever the case may be. One of the things I like to do leading up into the new year some people call them at the beginning of the year New Year's resolutions, and I've never been very good. I could make them, but I'm not very good at keeping them. I think, you know, I remember a few years ago, I think it was 2016, I decided I was done drinking Dr. Pepper. That was it. I was, for day one of January 1st, I was done. I was going to stop, be done with Dr. Pepper, and I lasted one whole month. Actually, I lasted a month and two days because the Super Bowl, I think, was February 3rd. And on Super Bowl Sunday, I drank a Dr. Pepper again. And you know how they have signs in the store now that says there's shortages on aluminum and things? They did that because when I went back to the bottle, I went back hard. And so I really, the 15 pounds I lost came back as 20. I remember that. And so that New Year's resolution didn't work out too hot. I try every year to read through the Bible in a year, just as something extra besides whatever else I do. This week, I'm going to send you out a link either on Facebook or through our thing, and see if you want to join me on an app, and we can read through the Bible together every day. And you do you read your own, I read my own. We can put a little, you can put a little comment about what you read. I'm going to see who will do that with me this upcoming year, and so I'll put that out sometime this week. But I like to look and I like to gauge how is Brian doing in life this the week before and the week after Christmas. So I look at myself and I grade myself in lots of different areas. So I start out: How is Brian as a son? How am I as a son to God? And I grade myself. The, I would like the grade to be higher, but the grade is not what it should be. And I'll be honest about that, and you'd be honest about yourself, I think, too. Then I look at how Brian the husband is. And so I don't go ask Caroline because I know she's going to give me a bad grade mark. I ask myself because maybe I'll do a little bit better with myself. And so I, um, I'll go through and I'll look, how was I as a husband in 2020? What were some of my strong areas? What were some of my weak areas? What can I improve in? And I go through those things. Then I look at Brian, the dad. How was I in 2020 with my kids? Uh, what areas did I do better in than I did before? What areas did I fall behind in? And I review it all and look at that. Then I'll look at Brian as a son again to my mom and dad. They're still alive and they're still here. And the Bible does say you're supposed to honor your parents. That is Bible. And I don't think there's an age limit on that. And so I honor and I respect them and show that, show them love. And so I see how did Brian do in that area. I look at Brian and maybe before, somewhere in there I look at Brian the pastor. So there's lots of different hats I wear. So how did Brian do as a pastor this year? Don't you, don't you say anything out loud. You keep that to yourself, okay? And so I looked at what areas was I strong in, what areas was I weak in. This year has been 10 years of pastoring, this year by far has been the craziest of all years. There's been no year like it. And I'm hoping that 2021 is different than this last year and maybe a little bit better. 
You know, I was one of those guys that always preached the fact, bless God, come hell or high water, we'll never close these church doors for nothing. And then I remember Caroline and I sat down, and I was debating, do I want to, do I not want to? I'm like, man, they want us to. We don't know enough about this whole thing. And I'm like, two weeks, what's two weeks going to do? And two weeks turned into what, nine months now? And, uh, and in all honesty, we didn't have service here on property for two weeks. The third week, we started having drive-in services, and then come, come May, we've been in church ever since, even though we're not supposed to technically, but we do it because we love God, but that's beside the point. Um, so I look at how did, how did I do as a pastor? Has my preaching grown? Has it gotten better or worse? Is my study habits of the Bible better? How have I done counseling? How have I done loving God's people? And I check out all those things. And then I look at how do we, how have we done as a church? Someday, I'm going to give an account to God for this church, the Bible. That's one of the things that scared me the most about becoming a pastor. Because I give an account for myself is hard enough, but giving an account for all of you, you guys better get your act together. No, I'm just kidding. But um, So what areas as a church did we do well in? What areas in the church did we fail in? Are we fulfilling what God's called a church to be? And so I look at all those things, and I pack all that into the last two weeks of the year. And then I make changes, and I write them down. This is how Brian, the father, is going to do better with his kids. It's how Brian, the husband, is going to do better. It's how Brian, the whatever you may say, is going to do. And I write down what changes I'm going to make. And if there ever gets to be a year where I'm like, I've, I've arrived, everything is great, you know something's wrong, because we're never going to be what we should be. I sincerely believe that Victory Baptist Church is one of the greatest churches that God's ever put together. I believe that God's people that he brought to this place are great. But I believe that the people that God's brought to this place have work to do, and I've got work to do. That's what the message is about this morning. 2020, what could I say? Craziness in our church. We go from growing, and I feel like the Lord's really, and we might be turning a corner where everything shuts off. And a good day now is being thrilled with two services of 140 people, where back in March it was 205. And you don't, and people watching online, you don't know how many people watch online and all that, and it's not about numbers. If you're in it for numbers, you've got something, but it's being able to in, help people. And you got to realize every number is an individual that's being helped. That's important. There's been more divorce in our church in 2020 than there's been in any of the other years combined. There's more family heartache in 2020 than any other year. More depression than any other year. There are lots of things. There's been more fighting in the church in the past couple months than what we've had in 10 years. What's the problem? What do we need to do to fix it? COVID hit. Our offerings skyrocketed. So let me give you a little picture here, okay? Get this picture with me. This was our offerings here. It's where we were. COVID hits, and it's like an airplane taking off. Takes off, takes off, takes off. Plateaus about June. Plateaus, stays up there July. And then in August, the plane got cleared for landing, and it comes back down, and we are literally just about back to the same spot we were before COVID hit. Praise God for taking care of everything in between. But every month, we're going further and further in the wrong direction. What is the problem? Finances aren't great. Fighting has happened more than what's ever been. What's the issue? One of the problems that we have as a church is, listen to this verse, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think our hearts aren't where they should be. One of the things that COVID has done, and I'm grateful for part of it because I believe there were a lot of good things that have come from it, I think that for some people, it strengthened their walk with God, at least for a little bit. 
I believe that some families got family time that they haven't had in years, and that's a great thing, and you need family time. But the other problem is it's taken away all of our service for God and taken our focus off of one another and brought the focus all on self. And I think our problem today is we're not focused on the Lord like we should be. And going forward, and as your pastor, as the pastor of the church, and as a member of the church myself, we got to do better. I've done something I've never done in 10 years of pastoring this last week. I went through the giving records of our church. I never do that. Never do. Don't know if I'll ever do it again. But I'm telling you, I went through them. I'm just giving, so we'll just say, I'm not talking about people that might be new to coming or that have come a few months. I'm talking about regular families in our church. Through COVID, whatever, we have about 70 faithful families that are here off, that are here off and on. If I'm being generous, 22 of the 70 tithe. If I'm being generous, it's probably more like 17, but I'm being generous. We'll say 22. 31% give, and that means that 69% don't. This last week, we had a man write a letter to the church. He wrote me a letter and said, I want to donate money to the church. I've never met the guy. I have no clue who he is. He gave $150. 42% of people that come to this church that are here regularly haven't given $150 this year. And a guy who's never been in the church gave $150. Say, well, pastor, I just don't know if it's your job. It's my job to check on the spiritual condition of the church. You're not going to get a letter from me saying you need to get your heart right with God, or I'm not going to be like a church that shows up at your door and says, I'm here to collect your back tithe. That's not my job. But I will tell you this. We need to get our hearts right and focus where they need to be. And if you aren't giving anything to God, you need to fix that. And just so you feel more comfortable, if anybody wants after the service, my giving statement for 2020 is right here on the pulpit. You can see what I've given. And that doesn't even go into all that I've given, but it at least gives you. So if any of you feel like, Pastor, you saw mine, I'll let you see mine. It's right there. So it's there for you. I'm going to mention this again next Sunday, and then I'm going to drop it. But I do feel that if our hearts were right, things would be a lot better around this place. say, well, I just can't afford to give to God. You can give him something. Even if you can't, you can give him something. Start somewhere. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Eight families in our church every month give half of our budget or above that in eight families. We haven't been hitting budget for four or five months. If eight families make up half of it, you have 62 other families. And then this is what happens. I sent out a letter last week that the church is running short. And if anybody wants to give anything extra towards the end of the year, it's that 31% that already give above and beyond that end up giving more to make up for the shortfalls of the church. While the 69% don't help make up that shortfall. It's not the 31%'s job to take care of everything. They do their part. It's the 69% of the others that need to get on board and help. Realistically, a church will never, there will never be a day where everyone gives. If you think that's going to be the case, you would be fooling yourself. Wouldn't it be amazing if 40% did? Can you imagine how many missionaries we could support? How much more we could do? We, we're losing Brother Jay in two weeks. He was my part-time staff. Do you know the reason? He's not here, and I can say this. Last service, I didn't say this. You know the reason why we can't keep him? I couldn't pay him. I need staff. I do. I can't do it all on my own. But if people gave, we could have kept him. That will not be repeated again, but that's the honest truth. So just think in your mind where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God's people need to be faithful to God in that area.
Because if our hearts are right with God, it's going to affect every other area. And right now, when our hearts aren't right with him, that's just how it goes. And I know there might be people out there who say, well, pastor, I, I give, but you just, there's just no, before COVID, there might be loose cash that's given, and some people could say that. With COVID, there's hardly any loose cash given. So whatever comes in, it's known. And that's the whole thing. Who cares if the pastor sees anything? God already knows your heart. I'd be way more concerned about him. But we got to work on our hearts in 2021. And if you don't like that and you say, well, the pastor shouldn't look and do that, I've never done it in 10 years. But I felt that's what the Lord wanted me to do because we got to change some of our actions. That includes me, too. I said we. You hear we? We? We're in this thing together. We're a family. We're a team. And the body's got to work. If the body's not working together and if we're not right with God, we cannot do what God's called us to do. Now you see why the air was sucked out of the room in the first service. I didn't even read the Bible yet. We're getting to the Bible now. And so I mean, this is what will happen. Some people that get upset about it, you probably get upset about because you're one of the ones that doesn't give and needs to get their heart right. If your heart was right, you wouldn't get upset. And then there are those who just don't care, and you're probably the one that gives and don't worry about it. I, I'm not going to go back and do this all the time. I did it one time. And, and like I said, you want to see mine, it's right here. You can see it after the service, right there. Father, we need you this morning. I pray that you bless the message and all that's said. I pray that it bring you honor and bring you glory. Meet with us and do a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The 2021 plan for the Father's House or for Victory Baptist Church. Everyone needs a plan. I'm not a conspiracy guy. Let's be honest in the room. How many of you would consider yourself a conspiracy person? Anybody? Be honest few conspiracy people in here, and some of you didn't raise your hand, and I would consider you that, but I won't say that. I, people send me conspiracy things all the time, okay? I get them all the time. Aliens, government takeovers, the vaccine making you turn into a dog. I don't know. You're going to start barking and jumping up and down, and you know, that there's a tracking device put into the vaccine, all these different things. And, but one of the things that, you know, one of the things I heard is, that the reason why they keep doing these shutdowns and they're going to keep doing them is because there's a great reset coming. Anybody ever heard of the great reset? Okay, well, just don't even go look it up. It's not worth your time. But um, is it true? Is it not true? Who knows? This is what I know. If that stuff's true, all it is is stuff that needs to happen in order for the Lord to come. So it's just going to lead right into that, which would be all right. I'm, I'm ready for the Lord to come. Anybody, anybody ready for the Lord to come? I'm ready. I've been ready. And I'm ready. But... I do believe that Christians need a reset. Our priorities, putting God first, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, this is the first commandment. We need to love God. I could go deeper into giving, but I won't with that one. But you cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God. We need a reset. We need to change some things going into the future. What's our plan for 2021? Four points, four verses, and we'll be done at 12.30 today. Hebrews chapter number, you're laughing, I'm not kidding. Hebrews chapter number, at least you're laughing. Last service, I couldn't even get them to laugh after the beginning of the message. I don't know. You must be all the givers saying in this service, that's what it is, and they weren't. So Hebrews chapter 10, and, uh, and never, never should you look at a church or look at people, those are givers and non-givers. It's not that way. Some people go through a tougher time, and some people just need to be reminded of the importance of it. And that's what I'm doing, provoking one another to love and good works. Oh, that's one of our verses. Let's look at it. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. After the service, I'm going to go online, I'm going to get on Facebook, I'm going to get on YouTube and see the response when I started talking about what I did a few minutes ago. I'm going to see if the views start going down or if they stayed the same. We'll see what happened on there. I love you on internet land too. But um, 
We look here this morning, these verses give us great detail about things that a church should be doing. What happens, though, is we hear preachers often take verse 25, and that's all they preach on. But there's more to it than just assembling. But that's part of it, and we're going to look at that this morning. A plan for 2021, number one, this plan should include faith. Faith must be a part of the plan. We look at verse number 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Okay, this plan should include faith. What do you mean when you're talking about faith? Well, letter A, I'm talking about faith regarding our salvation. That's a great place to start. Say, Pastor, do you think someone who's faithful to this church could not be saved if they're here? It's possible. Wasn't Judas with Jesus and he was the perfect leader? There's only 12 of them. So there could be someone in our midst that does not truly know Christ as their Savior. Don't ever, I don't ever take that for granted that everyone's saved because Judas wasn't. And people are good at fooling other people. And so make sure you know you're saved. What is salvation? The Bible tells us Romans 10, verse number 9 and 10 says, that Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That's salvation. It doesn't get any more simple or any more plain than that. It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible tells us in Acts 16, verse number 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's all salvation is. Salvation is not some plan. It's not a five-step program. It's trusting in the man Jesus Christ and what he did on the, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the Bible says here, in full assurance, know that you're saved. And if you don't know for sure that you're saved this morning, watching online or sitting here in the service, get that settled. This plan for 2021, it needs to include faith, and that's where faith begins. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith regarding our salvation, letter B. Faith regarding our situation. We look at the beginning of verse 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Faith regarding our situation. We are to draw near to God. Now, may I just remind you of something this morning? The book of James, James 4, the Bible tells us in verse number 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Was James written to unsaved people or saved people? Saved, saved people. So the Bible's telling Christians to draw nigh to God. Say, but I'm saved, I'm already close to God. Hold on. You draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You can be close to people. Like my parents, I'm close to them, but my mom doesn't get out of the house much anymore. If I'm going to be close to her or near to her, I got to go drive to her to see her. You draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Situations in life will do one of two things. First thing is, it'll draw you closer to God, and that's why he allows things to happen. But the other thing is, our circumstances might not draw us near, they'll draw us away from him, which is not the goal. And may I just tell you this morning, as we look at these verses, many have slipped further and further away from the Lord, and that needs to stop. If you're watching online, you're here in the service, wherever it may be, this past year, fear has gotten a grip on a lot of people. Fear and God do not go in the same sentence. Because God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Fear, when fear is in place, God's not there. God doesn't bring fear into your life. And when people push fear, it brings fear into the forefront of everything and pushes God off to the side. There are many Christians, and I'm not telling you not to be careful and do safe things, and to come, you figure that all out for yourself. But what I'm saying is fear should not have a hold of a Christian. Draw nigh to God. You need to get your heart right today 
and get back to God. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. There needs to be faith regarding our salvation, faith regarding our situation, and let her see faith regarding our separation. Two key words are used in verse 22. Let us draw near. How are we supposed to draw near? With a true heart. True heart, what that's talking about there is it's talking about the sincerity in our walk with the Lord. Are you sincere in your walk with God? If you are, it's going to be seen in two areas. Number one, with a clean heart. Pastor, what do you mean by a clean heart? Well, salvation cleans your heart, right? That's where it all begins. But then there's also where you keep yourself clean. How many of you took a shower in the past 24 hours? I shouldn't even ask that question because you never know. You never know. There's only a couple teenage boys in the room, so I think they, no, I'll leave Harrison alone back there. He did. Good job. Good job, Harrison. I'm proud of you for that. Amen. Man, you, you, you be around here during PE after those boys and sweat from PE. Woo! I tell you. And that's why we have PE the last thing of the day. And so that's on purpose because that, that kitchen starts smelling like teenage boys and teenage girls. That's, ugh, that's enough right there. But we got to confess our sins to God. Just as you take a shower to clean yourself or you wash your hands. You know, one thing that we've heard over and over again in 2020, wash your hands, wash your hands. People should already have known that one. Man, I remember being a little boy going, using the restroom, coming out, and my mom's like, did you wash your hands? How long did you wash your hands? Not long enough. Go back again. And scrub them this way and that way, 10, 15, 20 seconds. We should already know to wash our hands. Wash your hands. Duh. If you don't know to wash your hands, come on. Your mom didn't teach you very well. But why do you wash your hands? Here come. Because things are dirty. Well, that, and number two, I'll give you that. We need clean hands. Just as soap cleanses the hands, God's word cleanses the Christian. We need a clean walk. That's what it means in 1 John 1, 7 when it says, if, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. How do we get cleansed? The word of God. Thy word, it's a lamp to my feet, lying to my path. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You see, if we're going to be sincere, we've got to be clean. We need to confess our sins to God. We need to live right before Him. Because the Bible makes it clear in Psalm 66, verse number 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 15, verse number 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. And then in Proverbs 28, verse number 9, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Do you want God to hear your prayers? And you say, well, that, Pastor, all you did was show us Old Testament verses. There's no New Testament there. Do you want me to take you where the Bible says that a man's prayers can be hindered if he doesn't treat his wife right? First Peter chapter number 3. Take you there. Your prayers can be hindered. You need to live right. You need to confess your sins to God. You need to cleanse yourself. You need to walk with a true, as it says there in verse, a true heart. When those things start happening, then you'll, you'll some people have a hard time coming to church sometimes and they, they hear the music, the worship and everything. They have a hard time really getting into it and all those things. You know what the big problem is? You live like the devil all week long, and then you come to church for an hour, and you feel guilty before God. No wonder you can't worship him. 
So live right during the week, and it will change your corporate worship on Sunday. Try it. Try it. Try it. And see if I'm right. If I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong, and I'll still know I'm right, but that's okay. Number one, this plan should include faith. Number two, this plan should include faithfulness. What's our plan for 2021? Well, we need faith for it. We need faithfulness, number two. Look at verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Aren't you thankful that God's faithful? I am thankful for his faithfulness. Then the Bible says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not only do we need faith in 2021, but we need faithfulness. Faithfulness in what areas? Letter A, faithfulness regarding our walk with God. I've already touched on this, but it's so important that God's children live like they're God's children. That's important. That's this world should see something different in a church. When the Bible tells us to hold fast the profession of our faith, it's telling us that we need to live like we say we live. That's important. How's your walk with God today? Now, Pastor, you mentioned prayer and Bible often. I do. How is it? Did you eat breakfast today? Are you going to eat lunch? Oh, yeah, I get hungry. Or someone said hangry the other day. I heard someone say that. I don't remember who it was, but someone said someone got hangry. Do you spiritually get hungry? You do. You feed it? I hope you do. In the Word of God, through prayer, through meditation on the Scriptures, through worshiping Him. That should be a part of our everyday life. The problem is we got too much of the world in us, which hinders our walk. The Bible says in First uh, John chapter 2, verse number 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You say, but pastor, I love the ocean. Stop. That's not what that's talking about. Don't love the world's setup of things. What this world is all about is self. Love not this world, the way it conducts itself. Because this is the thing. You cannot love God and love the world together. It does not work. You will serve one or the other. No man can have two masters. Didn't Jesus say that? He did. Bible tells us in 1 Peter, and I should have went there first, 3, verse number 17, 2 Peter 3, 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Hey, Christian, be careful. Keep your eyes up that you don't be led away in an error. I sincerely believe that one of the things that's happened because of COVID is the selfishness of Christians. It's an error. Don't get me wrong. You need family time, and you need to spend good quality family time. Some Christians get that backwards, and they're too much one way and not enough. There's got to be a balance, though. Balance is the key to the Christian life. Jesus was full of grace and truth. We as Christians have a very hard time. Either we're too strict or we're too soft. We're either too much law or too much grace. We should be both. You got to find balance. I'm working on balance. You work on balance too. And if you get there before I do, teach me so I can learn balance from you. But when we talk about faithfulness regarding our walk, how do we how do we do it? There are certain things, actions, and attitudes as we pass through this world. We got to avoid things like this. The believers not to listen to the voices of this world and materialism and turn away from God. Don't be led away. Number two, the believers not to doubt the great truths of the gospel. And people do their best to try and get you to doubt what God's already said. Third thing, and I think, is that in your notes? Hopefully it's in your notes. Are those, are those they're not in your notes? One, two, three, and four? Oh, they're supposed to be. But another one would be the believers not to listen to the voices of doubt and false doctrine. One of the reasons why you have a pastor and why you have a church, Ephesians 4, verse number 14, 
Bible says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sliding of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And with the internet nowadays, you know, back in the day, it used to be false doctrines always been out there, but either you had to find a tape of someone or you had to open a book and literally search for it. With the internet the way it is today, you can find false doctrine everywhere. And you got to be careful. Because anyone can take a verse in that book and twist it for whatever they want it to be. You got to be very careful. You got to be careful about the doctrine. Be careful. And then the believers not to allow trials, circumstances, or temptations, temptations to shake their faith in God. I love how Paul said in First. Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, there's no asterisk there that says you could take, when COVID comes, that changes that, or when hard times come. No, Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, and if you read the verses leading up to this, if you want more context, talking about the Lord returning. Talks about how we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and how death's been swallowed up by victory and victory comes through Jesus Christ. And because of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of God. God wants us today to stay close to him. Don't let your circumstances, don't let life get rid of your steadfastness. Be steadfast. Don't move. Know that song from before, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I haven't heard that song in a long time. That's what we need in Christianity. But Christians use it the other way nowadays, sitting down doing nothing for God, and then they sing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's not how God intended it to be. God intended his people to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Man, it feels good to sit down. I know why preachers don't sit down. If I sat down, I'd probably preach two or three hours every sermon. And so it's good to stand up because then I get the sermon done a little quicker. And so, but we need faithfulness regarding our walk. Number or letter B, faithfulness regarding our worship. In this verse, we're told that there's a great need to be faithful. Look at what it says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Hey, church, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Hey, Christians in 2020, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't mean this bad. I don't know if I should even say it, but I'm going to. Internet is not gathering together. Live stream is not fulfilling the command of that verse. For some, I get it, and do what you need to do. But if you can go to the grocery store and you can work all week long and you can do your own thing all week long, there is no excuse why you can't go to God's house. All that COVID has done is given some people a lame excuse for not going to church. But you can find an excuse not to go every time you want to. Oh, my big toe hurt. Oh, this hurt today. I can't do this and I can't do that. Now, today, I get it. It was cloudy out. It was cold. I felt like staying in bed this morning. How many of you agree you felt like staying in bed this morning? Well, good job you still came to church. And some of you that are still in bed watching live stream, I'm a little jealous of you this morning. Enjoy your pajamas. Enjoy your coffee or whatever you're doing. But you're missing out. Some people, do you realize some haven't been in church in over nine months? And some have reasons, and I'm not... I'm not getting upset with anybody. But often, oh, pastor, I just was too tired today to come. Why don't you just tell the truth? You didn't come because you didn't want to come. And I miss you when you don't come to church, but let's get something straight. You miss out on more by not coming to God's house. You miss out on the encouragement. You miss out on the worship. You miss out on all those things. If one thing I was taught in 2020 is, and I promise you this, those doors aren't closing again. It's not. Maybe the next pastor, he can do what he pleases. 
it's not closing. I had a pastor friend, I guess COVID went through their church a little bit, and he's like, I told our people we weren't closing, and we had to close. I said, I said the same thing, but I meant it this time. I'm not. So what are you going to do? Well, if I get it, I'll build a little square clear box, and I'll stay in my box up here, and you won't have to be near me. But I said those doors aren't closing again. Church is too important. It's too important. And it's appalling to me how many churches didn't meet today and did their online services because we just have church. And if you're not, and people don't watch me anyway, so it doesn't matter what I say. If you're not man enough to pastor and do what God called you to do, get out of the ministry. When you get to heaven, you stand before Paul, Peter, John, Jesus. I I couldn't have church because there was COVID. We don't have a backbone nowadays. Certain people have to do certain things, and they can do, but as for our church, it's not happening again, okay? Worshiping God together is too important not to do it. And if they want to arrest me, I'll start singing in jail, and maybe the Lord will open the doors there like he did for Paul and Silas. We need to be excited for the house of God. As the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That should be our attitude as we get to go to God's house. Say, why is it so important? There was a pastor that went and visited a wayward church member, and he found him sitting by a fireplace. He asked about his absences from service, and the parishioner said, Pastor, I think I can worship as well alone as I can at church. After reflecting for a moment, the pastor took the fireplace tongs, lifted a live coal from the fire, and set it down at the side of the grate. As they watched, its color turned to gray, and the heat slowly died. The church member got the point. After a pause, he said, I'll be in church Sunday, pastor. Church is important. You know, Gallup did a poll just last month. Gallup is not a Christian organization. Okay. They measured in 2019 and 2020 the mental health of people. In 2020, there was only one group of people whose mental health increased. Everyone else's mental health decreased. Do you know the one group that their mental health increased were those who went to church at least once a week? Gallup found that out. That's the only one area in 2020 where mental health increased by those who went to church. You're struggling with your mental health? Get to church. I met with a man this last week struggling with mental health. I said, we met a few times. I said, when's the last time you've been to church? March. I said, you want to help your mental health? Go to church. He was here in the first service. I don't know if his mental health's any better, but he came. We need church. We need to be faithful. Because what church does is not only just sitting there, it's what we do for one another, which leads us to the next point. This plan not only includes faith and faithfulness, but includes family. Now, the context of family mentioned here that I'm going to talk about is our church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ, the body that God's put you in. That's what I'm talking about when I'm referring to family right here. Look at verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We are to consider our family, letter A. One of the greatest blessings in being a part of a local church is the fellowship and the belonging to a family. You don't get that online. You don't. And even in some big churches, you don't find that. And that's where, and that's where I give people say, I just like small churches. I, don't, I like all churches, okay? I like churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm for all of them. The big churches, the way to get involved there, you've got to find a small group, and you've got to get into a smaller group to get more there. Because some people, some people come here like, I don't like a small church because the pastor knows when I'm there and when I'm not. I like the big church where I can just slip in and out, and no one ever knows if I'm there. 
And people have their different thoughts with all that different stuff. But one of the blessings of a church is that family feeling. We're to consider our family. The word consider means to give attention to, to fix our attention upon, to give continuous care to watch over. That's how we're supposed to care for one another. And many Christians today miss this essential biblical mandate. And churches suffer are suffering today as a result of it. According to the Bible, we are to love one another, right? John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. How many times does he say in two verses? He says love four times there. He uses one another three times. Trying to get something into God's people. How are people going to know that we're disciples or followers of Christ? Not by carrying your Bible into church and wearing a suit coat. By your love for one another. So most churches, and when we are arguing and bickering as a church, we're not showing this world Christ very well. Because there are a lot of assemblies that get together that argue and bicker. Congress, there's one. Most churches act no different than Congress does. That's not how a church should be. People are going to know that we follow the Lord by the love that we have for one another. Not only are we to love one another, but we're to care for one another. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Man, we're to love one another, but we're to care. We're supposed to help. If someone in the room is struggling, we should be coming up to that person and saying, what can I do to help? Because this is what happens. Uh, I don't know if I... Isaiah, come up here for a minute. Come help me for a minute. Just come stand, come stand right here. Here, hold this. Hold this. Hold this. Here, hold this. Hold this. Hold this. How you doing, brother? Good to see you at church. And he's got the whole world on his shoulders. That's not how it's supposed to be. Hey, how are you doing? Are you having a hard time? Hey, you got too much stuff. Here, let's go. I'll help you. We'll get through this. That's how the Christian's supposed to be. You can put all those plants back down now. You weren't here in the first service, so I didn't get to use my illustration, so... But that's how we act. We're supposed to care. And in order to care means you must do something. Praying for you, brother! I hope you do. A lot of people say that, but do you ever really pray? That's a common phrase Christians use for one another. No, most Christians are fighting with one another. Paul even went after two in the church in Philippi. In uh, Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 2, I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. They were arguing and fighting in the church. Two ladies at that, but we'll leave that alone. I won't go any deeper into that. And Paul says, they need to be, just, I, I beg of you, be of the same mind. That's how people know that we're Christians. We need to consider our family. But then also, not only do we need to consider, but we need to challenge our family. How do you challenge? Provoke. Provoke in a good way, okay? I know some people say, I provoke? Not that way, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. We're not talking about provoking to anger. Remember the Bible talks about provoke not your children to wrath? 
but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Here's a good way to provoke. Are you ready? Let's consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. By the way we conduct our lives, we should be a living challenge to those that are around us. Our lives should provoke them to a deeper love and a deeper service for God, which leads us to number one, to deeper love. Love is infectious. That's why Paul says, the love of Christ, it constrains me. There are some people in the church who will never give. There are some who will never be faithful. There will be some that will never do a single thing for God as long as they live. But there are some who have a sincere desire to serve God. And as they work, they challenge others to do the same. Last week, we got to go and help at the pass out food, the food distribution. And one of the things that I loved was we had several people from our church come, and you had a bunch of your workers there too. And I love seeing everyone just pulling together. And the weird thing was for the first few minutes, I'm just standing, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I need something to do because it just felt weird. Everyone else working and me not having something to do. And then I had to push the cart and I got to do most of the work the whole time. But anyways, we'll leave that one alone. And I got my exercise that day. But it was a great lesson there when everybody's working and then there's just something you got to work. That's how we provoke one another, to deeper love and then to, deep, to more service for God, to dedicated labor. What a difference we could make in 2021 if every saved person in this room decided they were tired of sitting on the fence, they were tired of watching others do all the work, they were tired of not being involved, and they decided to get busy and hold no bars back and give God their very best. What could happen in 2021? What would happen if God's people learned to give in 2021? It would be amazing what God could do. This plan should involve faith. It should involve faithfulness. It should involve family. And number four, and lastly today, this plan should include the future. Far too many people have a plan that's just for today. Because they don't, they don't plan out for the future. But the future is important. Look at the end of verse 25. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. This plan should include the future letter A. We are to plan to expand. We are encouraged to exhort one another. That means we are to be in the business of encouraging one another so that we are more motivated to do what God's called us to do. The perfect example in the Bible of an encourager would be Barnabas. Man, Barnabas stepped up over, you read about Barnabas. Every Christian should desire to be like Barnabas. Barnabas gave to the church, Acts chapter number four. Barnabas, when everyone wrote Paul off, he helped him. When Paul wrote John Mark off, Barnabas helped him. And Paul said later on, hey, bring John Mark, he's profitable. He had a Barnabas to encourage him. The early church could not have done what the early church did without Barnabas being there. He didn't get all the recognition. He's only mentioned a handful of times. But where would Paul be without Barnabas? You probably wouldn't be saved because Paul penned most of the words to the New Testament that you trusted Christ with those verses. Barnabas played a key role. And I know there are many Christians out there that there are many churches that are afraid to grow, afraid to change, afraid to reach out. I've heard people tell me, oh, Pastor, I like a small church. I want a small church. Because then I get, then I get the pastor all to myself. Isn't that selfishness? That is. Say, Pastor, how big do you want this church to be? Whatever God wants it to be. I don't want to be a hindrance to God growing it. That's what I don't want. Because either a church is growing or a church is growing stale. And it starts going in the wrong direction. We're to plan to expand and then let her be. We're to plan to exit. So much the more as you see the day approaching. What's that day approaching? Oh, the Lord's return, the rapture. 
Bible tells us 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's as we see the day approaching. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, 52, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all change in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. And I can't believe what someone told me about that verse just a couple weeks ago. Since Trump isn't going to be president anymore, is he the last trump? I'm like, I think they were joking. I hope they were joking. But that's not what it's talking about right there. The, last, the trumpet. That's what it's talking about. Funny, some Christians worship Trump more than they worship God, but we'll get off of that one there. Won't stay there very long. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's the day approaching. What are we supposed to do till that time? Well, number one, we must work for the master. He may come today, but guess what? He might not come till my lifetime's over. We don't know. This is what I do know. I don't have time to sit around and waste. The night comes when no man can work. What did Jesus say? I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. I got to do it now. We must work for the master. He's going to be returning. He's coming. And not only am I going to give an account for this church to God, you're going to give an account for yourself to God. And Christians love that verse, therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And I am grateful for that verse. I'm glad that I won't be judged for my sins at the judgment seat of Christ. But my works are going to be tried by fire. They are. I'm going to stand before God and give an account for what I did with all that he's given to me. Give God your very best today. And then number two, we must watch for the master. We got to keep our eyes on him. He's coming. Keep your eyes up. Keep looking forward. He's coming. We just don't know when. I believe we have a great church, and I mentioned that earlier today. But there's lots of areas we got to improve in. Let's take 2021 and let's improve and be what God's called us to be. Let this be the year that you get your heart right with God. Why don't you start out with it right this week? Get things right with you and God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? What's inside that comes out, that shows what's truly on the heart. So many Christians focus, if I get the outside right, everything's okay. No, 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 no. The inside goes bad fast. It takes a while to reveal itself on the outside. Get your inside right, and the outside will be just fine. I encourage you over this next week, you got a few days till 2021 begins. Go over your life. Take a little inventory. How am I in this area? How am I in this area? How am I in this area? And let's make 2021 be the greatest year for the Lord. Yeah, we don't know what's coming. Who knows if, how much of the calendar we'll use, but we can live for him and we can do more for him. I wonder, I'm done. But I wonder how many of us, how many of you shared Jesus with anybody this last year? It'd be a shame if you got through 2020 and could, and could say, I didn't share the gospel with anyone. Shame on you. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, and you say, well, it's hard with COVID. You get those calls, I do. You get those calls for your car warranties and for your uh, vacation home with the Marriott or whatever. Witness to them. They might quit calling you. That might be the best way to get on the do not call list right there. You got a week left. Start witnessing today. Share the gospel. See, that's what church does. We're supposed to, you say, Pastor, you're supposed to be encouraging me. I'm encouraging you to go tell someone about Jesus. I'm encouraging you to give to God like you should. I'm encouraging you to read your Bible. I'm encouraging you to be faithful. That's what church does.
And that's the thing, we all need it. Because without it, we start to slip on things. And when we can provoke one another and encourage one another and consider one another, we help each other stay a little bit more straight. Because we all need it. Because we're all prone to wander. We need one another. We do. And I mentioned last service, and I'll just tell you as we go, our theme for this next year is faith in action. We're not just going to say it. We're going to live it. That's our theme. Faith in 